Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science inside podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Dr. Jackie Sen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, I might get you to um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. My name is Jackie Sen. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and also a motivational speaker. My primary job is to be a group therapist for young children and adolescents as well in the areas of mindfulness, um, some DBT skills. We also use cognitive therapy behaviors, and we do a lot of work um, around their relationships and their boundaries. That's my primary work. I also work as a crisis intervention specialist in the emergency room doing consults as people come in um, after they've called 911. Right, yeah, that's quite intensive and quite um, striking. Uh, Could you tell us a bit more about your work with boundaries? How would you define boundaries exactly? So boundaries boundaries are a very interesting word, right? When we think about boundaries, a lot of people If we think about our homes, we may be thinking about how do we set physical boundaries? Well, some folks may think, well, I would like a fence because I don't want my neighbor's dog coming into my yard. It's not that I don't like his dog. It's just that I don't want him that close to me, right? Right. So if we take that and we expand that out to a more personal level, then we say, how close do I want people to me? So this goes many different ways. It's not just physically. It's also emotionally, right? So, and that transcends into the different relationships that we have. We don't have a hundred best friends. We have maybe one or two. Mm -hmm. And those folks we let in more and we, we lower our boundaries and we let them in. Other folks, we say, listen, here's a limit for you. I can talk to you about X, Y, and Z, and the rest of it is a no go. And so for me, that's what boundaries are. And it, right. and it really has a lot to do with just, you know, all relationships, all of them, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, and even if you're romantically involved. Yeah. And I feel like setting those boundaries, like you mentioned, you know, you're kind of letting them down in order to let people in, but then finding that limit of where to stop can be really hard as well. That is the challenge, mm-hmm. right? And so, and depending on the relationship, there are some relationships that are much more challenging than others. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain that to you. So yeah. when I say yeah. that, here's, here's where things get really challenging. Family. Family presents us with a unique situation where we are born or adopted into this family. They are part of our lives for the rest of our lives right? Mm -hmm. Unlike other relationships that we can sever and let go, 
family, even if we don't talk to them for a long time, when we have conversations with other people and they say, do you have family? You might hear someone say, well, yes, I do. However, I'm estranged. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's still there. So now those boundaries become very blurred, especially when it comes to children and parents, because the child is growing and their parental needs change. And so as this child is evolving, parents sometimes forget to evolve with the child. Right. Of course. It can be a really right? difficult one to figure out right. what stops and, and now, what ends. Yeah. now you've got that blurred boundary, right? Mm -hmm. Husband and wife start out, they have children, the children start growing, they've got a career, maybe they're changing careers. Again, boundaries are changing, needs are changing, right? And so I think sometimes we forget that our relationships go through these changes, and it's okay. And we need to keep checking in on our boundaries to see where we're at. And they might change. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of opportunity, especially with um, the last two years when things have been changing. But um, we'll get to that in a minute. First, um, mm -hmm. let's get to know um, you as a host. We've got a seg uh, as a as a guest. My apologies. Um, we've got a segment called Have You Met Jackie Sen? Um, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to share a couple oh, yeah. of words or phrases with you. And you just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, okay. when I throw them at you, uh, are we ready to go? Sure. Cool. Um, so the first one is book. So when I think of books, I think the one that sticks most out in my mind is one that was written by Don Ruiz Miguel, and it's called the four agreements. That's the number one book that comes to mind. And those four agreements are really, um, are things that I use them in my life every day. Do you want me to tell you what they are? Yeah, of course, of course. Okay. So the four agreements, the first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. And so when we're impeccable with our word, that means that when we talk to people, we're careful about what we say to them because whatever we say is not a reflection of them. It's a reflection of us. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. So the second agreement is don't take things personally. So that is, if someone's having a bad day and they say something negative to you, it really has very little to do with you and everything to do with them. Right. That's a pretty the important one, one is, to remember. <laughs> the third one is don't make assumptions, right? So again, when someone's acting in a certain way, don't assume that you know exactly how they're feeling, right? Don't look at someone that you don't know and assume that you know what they're going through because we don't. We don't know until we ask and until we inquire. So we don't make assumptions. Now, the last one is the most interesting of all. Always do your best. Mm -hmm. So this one people get tripped up on. So I've had people in groups say, well, I can't always do my best. I mean, you know, some days I'm just not there. So always do your best doesn't mean that you're running the fastest mile every single day of the week. Maybe you ran the fastest mile three days ago, and today 
you're a little sluggish getting out of bed. Maybe it's raining out and that makes you tired. So for today, your best might be, I'm getting up, I'm getting dressed, and I'm getting out. So always doing your best means doing the best you can for where you are. Yeah. And it's about constantly reassessing where you are. That's all really, really good advice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think it's important for everyone to really think about that because a lot of times people will really sort of beat themselves up over how come I'm not doing this? How come I can achieve that? And so instead of looking at the negative, look at the positive and say, this is where I am today. How do I get the best out of the me that is today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely advice to live by. Um, moving on, uh, what about a movie? Oh boy. This, so this, <laughs> There are several movies that stand out in my mind. Um, I think if I had to pick one over every other, I have, there's actually two. Um, I like uh, Miss Congeniality. A fantastic movie. My, my favorite rom-com. <laughs> yeah. And I think that the reason why I like that movie so much is because we see Sandra Bullock's character really evolve, right? Mm-hmm. And talk about boundaries, right? She really, her boundaries really took a major turn in that movie. And she didn't just evolve physically, she evolved emotionally into someone who was a lot more caring about people and just this whole transformation that can happen if you allow your experience to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I loved um, the way just how she went from someone who was very individual to someone who, mm-hmm. once she understood how other people, especially other women functioned, uh, she was just so much more understanding. It's yes. one of my favorites. <laughs> and for the first time in her life, she had people that genuinely liked her. And that was the emotional transformation for her was to accept that people actually did like her without getting rough and tough and pushing people away. So it was, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. What is, what was the second one that you had in mind? The second one would, would have to be Legally Blonde. (laughs) Also a classic. Yeah. (laughs) So, and I picked these movies because these are women who are really people that you would never expect a lot out of. Mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock was this FBI agent who pretty much dressed like a guy. Nobody really expected a lot out of her, right? And in fact, she was actually anticipated to fail that mission. Mm-hmm. In Legally Blonde, here's a young woman who's expected really not to do much of anything else but walk around in fashionable clothes for the rest of her life and ends up surprising herself. Right. And making friendships not based on the latest fashions or whatever, but based on her intellect and learning that she actually had to earn her way in life through her intellect. So I I look at those two. That's why I picked those two. Both very classic movies. And I'm definitely sensing a theme um, in your movie preferences there. (laughs) Uh, What about a podcast? Um, a podcast, I would have to say that, um, I listen to a lot of motivational podcasts. Um, and I listen to a lot of Tony Robbins. So that would have to be my number one. Tony Robbins. Okay, cool. Um, and 
I mean, I also listen to some religious ones too. So I listen to um, Charles Stanley. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. No, I probably wouldn't have. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. Um, what about a famous role model? So this is really hard. Um, there are so many famous role models. I think the one that stands out for me, absolutely number one over everybody else, has to be Martin Luther King Jr. Yep, a pretty strong one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, here's a guy who came out of Alabama. Nobody really expected a lot out of him. He mm-hmm. was really expected to be a preacher, mm-hmm. right? That was his main thing. And then he ended up leading an entire movement. Um, And I like his principles of nonviolence. The way to achieve your goals is through a set of behavior that is non-aggressive by showing someone what you really want without getting to a place where they're paying more attention to your behavior than what it is that you desire to get. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a good one. Um, and finally, what about a course you've completed? Oh boy. So <laughs> I've completed a lot of courses. Um, let's see. Um, my most recent one would be, um, acceptance commitment therapy. It's something that I'm working on right now to expand my skill set where I work. So I do a lot of therapeutic models. Mm-hmm. And that what was a is- six week course. What is acceptance therapy is exactly what it sounds like. Right. It's the challenge of getting your my patients to a place where they can realistically look at their behavior mm-hmm. and accept that maybe their behavior is the obstacle. Right. And then once you realize where you're at, it's like doing your best every day, right? You realize where you're at, and now you say to yourself, okay, here's where I am. What I have been doing hasn't been working. What can I do? Right, right. So it's a little bit different from... No, 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 continue. (laughs) Yeah, so it's different from other therapeutic models, but that's, that's the gist of it. It's really accepting where you're at and saying, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I've done. This is what hasn't worked. Maybe what can I do differently? Mm-hmm. It's yes. about looking at, it's about making adjustments based on like what you're capable of at that present time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Or realizing maybe you have other capabilities you haven't explored yet. Right, right. Okay. Very interesting. Right. Uh, well, it was lovely to get to know you through those five keywords. Um, but let's get to, I guess, the meat of our um, show today, uh, which is about um, boundaries uh, amongst people that are close to you. But before we go on that, um, how would you define personal development, which is what our podcast is about? Yeah, personal development means a lot of things to a lot of people. And it can show up in a lot of different ways. So for one person, personal development may mean they need to go on a spiritual journey or develop a belief system. For another person, a personal development might mean they need to make a career change or get more education, right? Personal development may mean I need to strengthen my relationships because I've been in quarantine for two years and I haven't really 
done a great job of staying in touch with everyone because I've been struggling myself. Right. Right. So when we talk about personal development, we really have to open that door or the window to it and really kind of realize it takes on a lot more than just one avenue. And it's going to mean different things to different people. And so when you don't, when you don't box things in, people then can say, oh yeah, you know what, maybe I should look at this area or that area, you know, or they may say, oh, this isn't for me, but wait a minute, it could be for me because there's something else in there. Yeah. So for me, that's what personal development is. And it also may mean looking within yourself and saying to yourself, what isn't working for me? What doesn't suit me right now? What is it that I need to change to be able to move forward? Mm -hmm. So it's that constant evaluating of yourself. It can be. I mean, it may not be constant. It, Mm -hmm. It usually isn't constant. It usually happens in different parts of people's lives. Usually something will happen. Um, they'll reach a place where maybe relationships change or their work changes and maybe their company is downsizing and they have to start saying to themselves, uh-oh, what am I going to do? What's, what's the next step for me? And the next yeah. step for me is not attached to this company anymore. Where do I go? Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what do you feel might be the main challenges in people kind of attaining personal development? So the first challenge in attaining personal development is realizing that you have the power to change things. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first one. Because mm-hmm. most people will will do this. They'll say, well, my company's downsizing. I'm just using this as an example. My company's downsizing, but I... And listen to the words now. I can't go out for an interview because it would look bad. I Mm -hmm. can't. I shouldn't. Right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't. Or I don't. And I don't comes into play. I don't have a resume. I don't have anyone to help me do a resume. So it's a lot of this kind of feeling very overwhelmed and then shutting it down by saying, I don't have any of the external things I think I need. And therefore, this is going to be really outside of anything I could probably do. And when that happens, a lot of people say, I'll just wait until I get laid off. Mm -hmm. Right? I'll wait until I get laid off. I'll take the severance package and then I'll move from there. Right. Yeah. Because the devil I know is better than the one I don't know. (laughs) for lack of a better saying at this point. Mm -hmm. But it's being able to say, I'm going to take that step and do it. That's the biggest obstacle to get past is that fear. There won't be anything else out there for me. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of feeling like almost like you're helpless um, in that there's no real way to attain the change that you feel like you need. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And then some people will say this. Well, if I leave, though, I won't get the severance package. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the other Mm -hmm. piece, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Grass is always greener on the other side, I suppose. (laughs) Or the grass may be the grass may actually look greener where you are. 
Yeah. And you may not want to go to the other side and have to start watering it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know? Um, kind of, I guess, and this is not quite, or it might be linked to um, your analogy of, you know, the severance package and the layoffs, but how mm-hmm. does setting boundaries affect our personal development? <laughs> oh, it's definitely connected. Oh, <laughs> yeah. For sure. So setting boundaries when people when people get jobs at companies, they become very enmeshed into the corporate structure. And mm-hmm. also remember, this now becomes a separate community for everybody. So you have your home life, then you have your work life, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard people say, Oh, this is my work husband or this is yeah. my work wife? People develop yeah. these kind of relationships at work that are very meaningful to them. And they make them feel very comforted to know that they're going to be around people they know every single day. Mm -hmm. So now the boundary comes in. If the company is downsizing, Mm -hmm. I have to now raise that wall that I let down because now it's really comes down to me and the people I love at home. Yeah. Right. And you can't take everybody with you, so now you're really on a ship by yourself. How do I maintain these relationships that have become so meaningful to me and not make those people feel bad because I'm getting ready to jump ship? Yeah, for sure. How do I maintain that boundary? How do I maintain that relationship? the way it is now when I know I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I know that um, leaving the connections that you've made at work and unintentionally burning bridges is a big concern for a lot of people. Um, when right. Leaving. right. And so, you know, when we start talking about this sort of a, a situation, what we have to remember is this is a big one. And I, Uh, You'll hear me talk about this for the entire time we're on this podcast. (laughs) Everything comes down to who is the only person you can control? Yourself. Mm -hmm. Right? So we have to then go back to the book, which is the four agreements, and pull that all into play. Right? So if we're leaving the company and we're leaving these relationships... Now we have to go to the number one, which is be impeccable with our word, right? So we have to say what we mean and mean what we say to people and do the best we can. We cannot control how other people react to what we're saying, but we can do the best we can with what we have. Yeah. Right? And we, as if things don't go as we want them to go, We can't blame other people, so we don't want to say, well, you make me feel. We want to use an I statement, which is, I feel this way Mm. when you said this to me. Right, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Okay. It's like centering yourself in the argument rather than other people. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. And remembering that you are the only person you can control because when you start putting it onto somebody else, that means you're trying to control them in this argument or this conversation, which is, which is a no win. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, how would you define the term boundaries? Boundaries are things that keep us safe, um, keep people either close to us or away from us. Right. But normally, I would think that they are things that keep us safe. We know if you've ever been out in a really busy store at Christmas time, mm-hmm. it's the best analogy I have, when everybody is flooding the store because there's a big sale, right? And you know that feeling that you get when people are too close to you when you don't feel comfortable. That's mm-hmm. a physical boundary, right? Mm-hmm. So you yourself would know that maybe you shouldn't go when the store first opens because that would be very not comfortable for you, too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And if you're like myself, I definitely wouldn't go when the store first opened. I would wait until about midday or so to show up after everybody kind of settles out. Okay. So that's a physical boundary. Emotional boundaries come into play when you have relationships and usually it happens more with closer relationships when someone kind of oversteps that line. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, I'll just, I don't, I don't know. I guess a good example might be, Let's say I had a mole on my left hand and it really bothered me. Mm -hmm. And so my brother knows that it bothers me. And we all know what the sibling relationship can get like, right? So (laughs) he's always bothering me about, oh, you got that mole. I could see that, right? But then it might be the one day that he says something about the mole that really makes me put a wall up, right? And I might have to reset the boundary with him, right? So it's that emotion, there's the emotional boundaries with people, you know, it's about how you allow people to talk to you, how you have trained people to talk to you, because we do train people how to talk to us. Yeah, I think setting boundaries with your siblings is definitely a big one. It's one that I feel very strongly at the moment. So um, it's, I feel like that might be almost one of the easiest ones to set um, but also the hardest at the same time, because it's so easy to tell them, you know, stop it. And I think everyone who's ever had a sibling will have found themselves in this situation at one point, uh, and then they don't, they just don't listen to you. And it's really hard too, because depending on how you approach it, that sibling's feelings are really hurt. And again, this is the family, the most difficult relationships we have within the family because of all this interaction, very close interaction that we have on a Mm -hmm. daily basis. And it makes it really hard to navigate that whole thing. So we, again, we have to go back to we're the only person we can control and we have to be impeccable with our word when we're dealing with our sibling, because we want to make sure that they understand that this is really where the boundary is. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, not damage the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, How do we, I mean, taking it back to kind of work-life balance, how do we go about developing boundaries to create a better work-life balance? So when you want to create a better work-life balance, you have to know, you have to really figure out for yourself where your limit is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
And I'm really careful with that because some people will say, well, I don't have any limit. I just started this company. I think this is the greatest place ever. I could work 80 hours a week. And that's not only, you might be able to do 80 hours a week, but it's not healthy for you or the company. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because no one is indispensable. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to discover what limit you're willing to go to. So let's say you work, you take a job and they say to you, there's going to be times when we are going to ask you to work a minimum of 10 hours overtime a week. Let's just, for instance, say it during the holiday season. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You might say to yourself, okay, I could probably do that. Mm -hmm. And, and you might agree for the holiday season and then moving forward, if they keep asking you to do it, you might have to say to yourself, okay, is this something that I want to do? Do I, is this going to fit into what I want? Right. Mm -hmm. And remember that there are other people important to you and you don't have to be married to have people who are important to you. Right. Because we all have families. So if they're asking you to work this 10 hours overtime and you have a weekly card game with your friends or weekly dinner with your family, you're going to have to figure out, are you really willing to sacrifice that for a company that could let you go tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's where you have to figure out what your work-life balance is, right? Because that's really what it comes down to. So if you're freeing up time for your life, you will find other things to do, right? And being, uh, you're going to hear me reference this a lot, like I said before, but being impeccable with your word, you're going to explain to your company why these things are important to you. And trust me, they will respect you for it. Th there's another problem with the work-life balance issue is this. Most people worry about being liked at work. And I mm -hmm. think it's kind of an interesting concept, right? So we have these relationships that are out of work, and yet we go to work and we want everyone to like us. Yeah. So sometimes I, I once had a job that I interviewed for, and my boss said, my new boss said to me when she was interviewing me, she said, if I called the old company you were at, would the people you work with say that they liked you? And I said, no. I said, but they would say they respect me. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, here's the other balance, too. What is it that you want from work? Do you desire to be liked or respected? Because sometimes they're not the same. Yeah. Okay. And here's another boundary crossing. I, I like my friend Jane at work so much so that she made a mistake the other day. And you know what? I just fixed it for her. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's another boundary. Right? So we have to kind of watch that too. And that can seep into the work-life balance, right? I did you a favor at work, so now I need you to do me a favor outside of work. So you really yeah. have to kind of figure out where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, people are so scared of being let go um, because of a simple mistake. And it's about yes. evaluating whether – if that's a real concern in your work, is it someplace that you really want to work at all? Yes, that's true. The other thing too is don't forget, 
if you're working in a place that has puts a high price on making mistakes, why not turn that into more of a collaborative effort? So if you're working on a project, put it out there and say, listen, I'm going to want a lot of input on this uh-huh. so that we can all get it right. And together we achieve the goal, right? So there's that other part of, even though we want that personal independent recognition, maybe we might have to open up our circle and say, it's okay to do it as a group. It's about asking for help when yes. it's appropriate. It may. And it may, so the thing is, it may or may not work depending on what setting you're working in. Mm-hmm. But it's worth having that conversation about opening that up and saying, listen, is it possible we could work on this as a group because this project is so important to our company's goal? Now, that mm-hmm. may or may not work, but it's worth an ask. Yeah, for sure. Um, and because it's- once you do that, you're showing that you're a team player and you're looking for other people instead of just saying, it's okay, I'm going to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of, you touched a little bit already on the challenges of trying to set that work-life balance, but what difficulties can you come across when setting those boundaries and why do people find it so hard? So I think, again, people really find it hard setting boundaries at work because they want to be well-liked, Right. And it's really important for people, especially folks who work in a very high-pressured environment. So you don't, you know, high-pressured environments are everywhere. It could be any place that has um, anything that the company might consider critical. I work in a place that's very high-pressured. Hospitals are very Mm high-pressured. And, you know, I think that when you're dealing with um, customers or people who are not always at their best, (laughs) it's even more of a challenge, right? So um, this likability, what happens is when people are in this really high-pressured situation, they start to form these alliances. And I call them alliances because they may or may not actually be friends. So what happens is, um, you know, I might say, oh, you know what, Jane, I'm going to the gym tonight. And Jane might say, oh, God, can I come with you? Because, you know, I'm so stressed out. I really need to go. Before you know it, we, me, and Jane and I are going to the gym three and four times a week together, right? right. Yeah. So now what happens is after a while, I've always been the one that went to the gym by myself. And maybe I have my brother coming in because my brother does live five hours away from me. Maybe he's coming in. And I say, listen, Jane, I'm not going tonight because my brother's coming in and I'm going out to dinner with him. And now Jane gets upset. So mm. now we've got this un- we've got this whole thing going on. How is this going to affect my work relationship with Jane? Because now it's seeped over into something else. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like a breaking of a pattern almost. It's a breaking of a pattern. And it also is like taking a relationship that's business centered and letting it seep into your personal life. So now you've blurred that line between work and life and that disrupts the balance. Yeah. Right. Would you say, I mean, people 
are bound to make friends with um, their co-workers. That just mm-hmm. is a part of work life mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How would people go about perhaps um, navigating that when that does happen and when it does get complicated? So I think I think what happens is we have to really be more aware mm-hmm. of how much time we want to spend with people that we're working with. That's the first rule, right? So um, you have to say to you, so I'll give you a really good example. I worked at a place when my kids were younger and the people I worked with said to me, oh, well, we're all going out tonight for a drink. Would you like to come with us? Mm-hmm. So all the whistles went off in my head and I said to them, I said, so, you know, thank you so much for the invitation. However, I really need to get home to my children. So that's setting a boundary that's clear. Mm -hmm. And I've explained why I'm not going. But what they don't know is that I have no intentions of becoming a drinking buddy to people I work with. Right. Because that's another blurred line, right? Right. So your intention has to be clear. And you also want to think about what that's going to take away from your personal life. And that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going out to dinner. Come with us, right? So you might be you might be going out to dinner, but maybe that means that either your spouse or your significant other gets left eating dinner by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And once you do it once, is the expectation is that every time they say they're going out to dinner, that you would join them. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to think about what's really important to you. What is really important to you? Because the, the, the truth is for me, my children were more important, right? The people I work with will respect my work, right? Yeah. And because they respect my work, they'll accept me. I don't necessarily need them to like me. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yeah. Okay. So it's so more about... Just- Oh, sorry. Continue. Continue. No, it's fine. So it's real for me. It's really more about thinking about what work really is, mm-hmm. right? Work is a way that we get compensated and we do the things that we like, right? Right. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, companies, corporations, hospitals, all of it, because mm-hmm. they're all big corporations and companies, infiltrated into our personal lives. And started creating events. Mm-hmm. The corporate Christmas party. Yeah. Right? The, the special luncheon on Friday. Dress down Fridays. So you can wear jeans. You see, it's all this kind of, kind of edging their way into our personal lives, right? And now a lot of corporations and companies have these holiday parties where you cannot bring your spouse. So mm-hmm. it's another division. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. we we're I think people really have to be on the lookout for how to set up their life so that it actually works for them. And again, it's that balance. I need people to respect me for me. I need people to respect me, not necessarily like me. But here's the thing. If people respect you, they will like you. Yeah, for sure. Um 
there are a lot of people that I guess it is cut and dry, you know, what work is and what life is. They work Mm -hmm. for a company or a corporation nine to five um, and then they come home to their family and it's a totally different or their hobbies, personal hobbies, friends, whatever, and it's totally separate. Uh, But there are a lot of people who, you know, they might be owning small businesses or, mm-hmm. or they might be kind of working in a job that's like their passion. Um, mm-hmm. And so it kind of feels sometimes like work is life <laughs> to some of those people. How would they go about in that case um, setting those boundaries and understanding where to stop doing the other thing that they love? Yeah. You know, it's funny you said that because that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, <laughs> I actually do what I absolutely love. I love going to work. I love working with these kids and these adolescents and really helping them navigate their way through some really difficult and challenging times. And I also love working in the emergency room too. However, (laughs) I need time for me, right? So we all need restorative care. And that really translates into self-care. So if you're giving too much to the thing that is your passion, you actually start taking away from your own self-care. So when we talk about people in small businesses, which is a great example, by the way, thanks for bringing that up. Mm -hmm. These folks are putting in 80 plus hours a week, right? They Mm -hmm. may think, oh, well, I'm going to go to a networking event, even though they were out all day yesterday. And in the process, they're neglecting themselves. They may not be getting a good night's rest. They may not be you know, um, eating properly because they're always on the run. And that you'll hear people say things like, oh, well, I'll just grab whatever because I've been so busy developing my, my product because this is what I'm really passionate about, right? Yeah. So being passionate about something is great, but you can't forget about yourself. You can't give from an empty cup, right? And so, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, other, and I hear this all the time, other people are more important than me. That is not true. That is not true. And here's why. Because if you don't fill yourself up, you can't help them. And believe me, if they're there and they need you, you're important. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like sometimes especially with the example of small businesses, they might feel like they're compensating for, you know, not having other employees, for example. They might be a sole trader and working on their own. Um, But it's about taking that rest to make sure that you are working at your best when you are. Um, Yes. And it, it gets neglected. I feel like it gets neglected so much. Yeah. I mean, everybody neglects their own self-care. I mean, even in the middle of the pandemic, people were not paying attention to their own mm-hmm. self-care. I mean, yeah. that that's a whole different thing because that was a very unique situation mm-hmm. um, that hopefully we're working our way out of right now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's so easy to forget yourself and get lost in everything around you. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, especially if you're the sole proprietor, you know, of that business. I know a woman once a long time ago who had a cookie company and oh my goodness, her cookies were so pretty. They were these big sugar cookies and she would spend hours decorating them. And I said to her, I said, you look really tired. She said, I am, but this is my passion. And then Mm -hmm. one day 
she met someone who owned a con. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's, it's called a contract bakery. They're huge places and they'll have several small businesses that'll give them their recipes and they'll make the cookies for them. So she okay. discovered this place. So that took the baking out of it, but she was still spending all this time painting these cookies. So yeah. she had to figure out how to delegate that out and have somebody help her with that. And that is another boundary. How do I let someone into my passion? How do yeah. I let that go? Because this mm -hmm. is mine. This is what I've been working on. And I'm the only one that has that expertise, right? Yeah. So that's another boundary that we have to leap. And that's another challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned the pandemic. And I feel like that's been a huge, huge thing in the past few years where people are working from home, whether that be a small business or um, working for a bigger company. And suddenly it's all in the same space and there's no kind of physical means of telling them apart. How do you feel people navigated that? What problems did people come across and are they still problems now? There's a lot of residuals from the pandemic, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so at the height of the pandemic, we had an enormous influx of people, children, everybody flooding into the mental health segment. Um, people who were struggling prior to the pandemic really fell off the grid. People who were kind of struggling were really struggling. And for a lot of folks who had never had any issues at all, were now faced with things like anxiety and the onset of mild depression. So when you're struggling yourself with something new that you've never experienced before, it's hard enough. But if you throw in the mix of having a family, young children, and a husband, and everybody's clustered into the same home, dividing the space and creating safe boundaries for everybody becomes really a great challenge, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people had to come to a place where they had to really examine their relationships with each other and figure out what was going to work in this setting, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd have moms that were saying, well, I have to be on this Zoom call all day long, but yet I have my kid who wants to be near me. So I say this, if it's okay if you're on the Zoom call and the cat jumps on your lap, then what's the problem with your daughter sitting next to you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So again, we have this kind of, it kind of a blurred line with the boundaries, but given the pandemic, I think, you know, things needed to be a little bit blurred because we really needed that comforting, right? And we needed more than ever to know that the relationships that we have, you know, in terms of a family are really still there for us. And we really do, still do care about each other and not allow this, you know, being in each other's space all day long to get the better mm -hmm. of us. And mm -hmm. that really was the challenge. You know, how do parents still parent when the kids are home all day and they're home all day? Yeah, you do it on Saturday and Sunday, but now I'm doing it Monday through Sunday. And where's the me time? Mm -hmm. Right? So me time turns into 
it's okay to tell the kids they have to be in their rooms at eight o'clock at night. Now, during the pandemic, I used, I told a lot of people, you know, your kids may not be able to fall asleep because they really, you know, this is a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. It's nothing wrong with telling them though that they have to be in the room, and it's okay for you to take that time for yourself. And if you're still with your spouse, it's it's okay to, for you two to have the two together time. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's okay to take that time for yourself and still get it. Right? And maybe set up a space that might be okay for the kids that they can do their thing. And because believe me, kids don't want parents in there all the time. They don't. Mm-hmm. They're doing their thing. And they you know, the parents come in and you, we're ruining the vibe, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay to create a space that they're okay in and let yeah. them have their thing. And it's okay for us to get our time too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people struggled with, how to do that. Because it wasn't necessary before. Because everything was so clear cut. I go to work. I come home from work. My children come home. They do their homework. They go to bed and we repeat, Right. And Saturday yeah. and Sunday is a whole different thing. Yeah. So I see and that as the biggest challenge. Yeah, that's definitely been a huge thing for a lot of people, especially families at home. Do you feel like these issues are still a thing now? So I think the residual effect of the pandemic is this, that our lives and our relationships are forever changed, whether it's for the better or for the worse. Um I think that people got a glimpse of the people in their lives as they really are for the very first time. And, you know, they saw some things that they, that made them very concerned and other folks saw things and realized that maybe they needed to do some things different to really strengthen those relationships within the home. So moving forward, I think the challenge now is going to be keeping families close together now that the doors are open how do we keep that and maintain that closeness that we achieved during the pandemic because now the kids are saying well I want to go out with my friends I want to go out and do this and I want to go out and do that and maybe this is a time where we can say you know I really enjoyed the closeness that we had and how do we establish doing something how do we get it to be maybe once a week, you know? Um, you may, you're you not going to get a buy-in for a kid who is a teenager every day in the week, but you might get a buy-in yeah. once a week, right? Yeah. To do a special dinner or to have a special time where you go out somewhere and just have a conversation, you know? I know my brother and I, we hadn't seen each other in almost two years. And last September, um, he and I are several years apart, but only two weeks apart in our birthdays. So last September, we went down to Cape Cod and we saw a concert together, stayed overnight and had dinner. And now, because of that, we've decided we're going to do that every year. So there's a way of reforming our relationships in a way that works for everybody, right? Yeah. And we don't have to be so over-inclusive that we're choking people to death with our, <laughs> with what we want. Yeah. Yeah let them know that they're still important in our lives and we need that closeness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we really should work on and try to maintain as we move forward. You know, just because the doors are open doesn't mean everybody has to go the separate ways. Let's try to bring that back. You know, I'm a big one on people said to me, well, 
just the other day, someone said, well, you know, Jackie, Mother's Day is coming up. I wonder what your children will give you. And my answer to that question is always this. And my kids will tell you the same thing too. The best gift you can give me is your time. Mm -hmm. That's the best gift you can ever give anybody is your time. Time to create a memory, relive a memory, just time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big lesson coming out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I guess those are a lot of problems that people face. Um, <laughs> we, we might move on to, I guess, how we can go about solving that. Um, so what is a practice uh, that you do to improve your relationships and help create appropriate boundaries with those closest to you? So one of the things I do is I do a lot of things for myself. I do a lot of this self-care that I was talking about earlier. So I'm a little bit on the extreme side, so everybody who's listening can kind of pick and choose what part of this they want to take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I know, I, I, I realize that about myself, but I get up every morning at 5 a.m. I don't have to leave until 7, but I get up at 5, and I do a 30-minute meditation. So meditation isn't always just sitting in that cross-leg position with nothing around you and listening to serene music. Meditation Mm -hmm. can be sitting in quiet space, reading something, whether it's your favorite book, maybe you want to read a chapter out of it. If you're religious, you can read the Bible, or it could be poetry, right? Mm -hmm. 30 minutes before I start my day, that's what I do every single morning, and I've been very faithful to that for the past, I'd say, a good four years now. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I I do about a half an hour workout while I'm watching the news and then I get ready to go. When we set our intention for the day, setting an intention doesn't mean you have to do everything that I do. Setting your intention for the day could be as simple as I'm going to leave on time today because I know that's what sets me up for a better day. I'm going to leave on time today because I feel more comfortable when I go into the workplace, when I do that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to make sure that I call my brother today because I haven't heard from him in a few days. And I want to make sure that we just talk and I hear his voice. Mm -hmm. That's how you keep your relationships going by this communication. And us, I'll tap lightly on the word constant because we, you know, you don't have to be talking to everybody every two seconds, but checking in once a couple times a week just to say hello is a great way of forming bonds. We have technology today we didn't have 20 years ago. It's so easy to send somebody a text message with a little emoji. And then, you know, and I do that a lot because I never know when people are available and when they're not. And then when they get back to me, I say, so when, when do you have time for a chat, mm-hmm. right? So a chat can mean, well, maybe that person isn't available to actually meet me for coffee. We could talk on the phone. We could FaceTime or we can go out for coffee, you know? Yeah. Also, make sure you plan ahead. So I have a cousin of mine that when he and I get on the phone, it is at least a two-hour conversation. So yeah. I know when I talk to him, I have to book out that kind of time. 
And I do that because that relationship is really important to me. So make time for the important, Mm -hmm. right? Don't get so hurried that you don't have time for that, all right? The sale at the store can wait. I know the dress looks good, but that (laughs) relationship is more important, right? There'll be another sale, there'll be another dress, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest takeaway I have is make time for people and be avail- and make time when it's good for you and them, not all one way or the other, right? It's okay if somebody says to you, listen, um, can, we, can I talk to you next Tuesday? And you might be thinking, well, I've got a bunch of stuff to do next Tuesday. Yeah. But you might say to yourself, well, maybe I'll move it around so I can talk to Jackie. You don't have to do that. You say, listen, I'm, I'm busy next Tuesday. What other days do you have available? Yeah. And I think sometimes we're afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, if I say I'm not available, I may miss out on having that conversation. Yeah. Right? But, it's, but it's all about developing that relationship. And that relationship now comes together in a way where it's healthy and you're respecting each other's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that like we're scared of saying that we're not available because I know something, a common problem that I often come across is that um, I often tend to meet in groups of people uh, as opposed to, you know, um, just one-on-one, usually because we might have all gotten together in university, for example, and like we got to know each other in that setting. So meeting up individually with those people can sometimes be a bit difficult. You feel like you're leaving other people out. Yes. And then there's that problem of trying to find a time when everyone in that group is free. And once right. again, when one person can't make it, it kind of ruins everything. So mm-hmm. I feel like I often feel guilty saying I'm not available for something. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the friend group. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a whole new phenomenon for a lot of folks, um, especially in your generation. The friend group presents us with a whole nother challenge of getting a, how many people are in your friend group? Oh, I have several, um, usually about five. Uh, okay. Yeah. Getting five people together can be a great mm-hmm. challenge, right? Mm-hmm. So something you might could, you might consider doing is picking an event, an event that might be a few months off and saying, listen, this event is happening. Let's all plan for that event, right? Then you're setting the intention. We're going to go to this event and everyone buys in and says, yes, we're going to go to that event. And now everyone's available. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way of, of kind of getting around that. Instead of saying, oh, yeah, next t- Tuesday's not going to be good for me. Set mm-hmm. it a bit of, a ways away. Like even if it's three weeks away and say, listen, okay, so on Friday the 27th, we're all going to go out and do X, Y, and Z. And everybody buys in. Mm-hmm. And that way everyone has um, the time to make arrangements and make time yes. if they need to. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's hard because as we grow up, we become less available. We have more responsibilities, right? And it was easier when you were younger because everybody was available. Yeah, all the time. What Especially you when you're a child, you're going go. – <laughs> Especially when you're a child, it's like, um, you know, you're going to school every day and everyone's at school at the same time. So everyone has the same schedule and it's so easy to find time to meet up with them outside of that. Exactly. 
if you even want to, because you're meeting up at school anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. And so yeah, now you have to get into the how are we going how are we going to maintain this moving forward? Because again, this is important. These relationships are important. We want to make sure we know that they're important. And the one way we can do it is by setting our intention to make sure we have time. Yeah, definitely. I want to go back to what you were saying about setting that intention. How do people figure out what their intention is for the day? And how do they word it in a way that allows them to carry forward with their day based on that intention? So when we set an intention, it's not the same as setting a goal. A goal is something totally different. A goal is saying, um, tonight at 7.30, I am going to watch 60 Minutes, and that's my goal. So all day long, I'm thinking about, I've got to get home and be ready by 7.30 to watch 60 Minutes, okay? An intention is more like, how do I, I want to have a better day. How do I get a better day? What do I have to do for myself to get that better day? Well, I need to set an intention. So if my, my intention is, me personally, is that I know I have a better day when I get up and I take my time and I have time before I have to go to work. I'm not a great person at getting up, rushing around and get and hustle it out the door. I'm going to, I won't forget one thing. I'll forget five. Okay. So when we set our intention, it's all about what is making us more comfortable in life. What enables us to be able to do, always do our best, right? No matter where we are, how do we do that? So if you're the type of person who has to have a cup of coffee in the morning, but stopping at the coffee store takes too long because everybody else is in line. And by the time you get there, it's a 20 minute wait. What might you do to help yourself with that? Make the coffee at home, get yourself a travel mug, right? Mm -hmm. So that's our intention is to lighten our load, to make it easier for us to navigate and still get the things that we want. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a person that needs that coffee, now, what you've done is you set the attention of, I am, I'm, I'm fulfilling my needs and I'm getting what I want. And this is helping me navigate my day in a much calmer and more productive way. Yeah, definitely. And what are, would you say are three good things about um, setting your intentions? Three good things about setting your intention. Well, one is that you are doing it for yourself right? Again, we go back to how many times do we always worry about other people, especially in the morning when we're getting ready to go to work. Oh, I've got to be to work because my boss will be there. I can't be late because I don't want him seeing me walk in two minutes late, right? Yeah. What about us? Mm -hmm. What's good for us, right? Mm -hmm. If I get up, if I get up five minutes earlier, I won't have to be as stressed. Uh, you know, what about if you chose your outfit the night before instead of taking 25 minutes to figure out what blouse and what pair of pants goes together because mm-hmm. you can't decide, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you have it together the night before, now you're setting yourself up for 
what I is people don't like this, but I'll put it out there anyway. You're setting yourself up for success. So success doesn't mean that you're hitting the lottery every day, but you might be hitting the lottery by setting yourself up for an easier takeoff. Yeah. You know, and it's all these little things. It's not, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's all these little pieces that we put together for ourselves that equal that intent. Right. Yeah. Um, what are the challenges people might come across um, with this? The challenges are maybe I don't always feel like picking out my outfit the night before because I had a long day. Yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. I can't peel myself out of the bed because I'm just tired in the morning and mm. I'm not going to have time to make that cup of coffee. Right. Mm -hmm. So now I'm not going to get my coffee, but I still got to get out of here at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's because kind of having those it. off days, those we're off days it. that can kind of throw you off, um, yeah. uh, completely off your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. What if this happens to me a lot? Well, not a lot, but fairly frequently where I might get asked to work in the emergency department because they're so overwhelmed with patients that it lands on the day or the night that I'm going to do my laundry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So these are challenges that we face. Right. Yeah. And how do people kind of tackle these challenges? So you can do it in a couple of different ways. Right. I mean, we're all going to have a day when we can't peel ourselves out of the bed and we're worried about getting that cup of coffee. So maybe you might get a coffee maker that goes off automatically. So it automatically makes the cup. And then what happens is, boy, talk about intention. This is fabulous. The coffee's being made. You won't have a quite hard enough time getting out of the bed because you can smell it. It smells delicious. Yeah. Now you can't wait to get up. <laughs> the coffee's already being made, right? And because the coffee's already ready, maybe that will help you pick out your outfit quicker. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So these are the little things I like to talk about, the things that we can do for ourselves to help us along the way, you know, just look. And, and that's something that's really simple. Mm -hmm. Say you've set kind of your intention and like that could be making your coffee at home and picking out your outfit the night before, but mm -hmm. you've had that off day. Things just haven't gone to plan. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person that like, I have one day that's just awful and bad and I didn't feel like I was able to get done what I could and I was just kind of doing my best, as you would say, but my best is mm -hmm. not quite what my best is usually. Ah. Um, and it just kind of sets the tone for the rest of my week. Like if it happens on a Tuesday, it just kind of ruins the rest of my week. How so it doesn't, would people? Yeah, yeah, so it doesn't have to, right? So you had yeah. this off day. You get home and you say to yourself, well, that was just lousy. <laughs> what the heck, right? So what is something that would make you feel better when you get home? Oh, So let's good. think about this yeah. for a minute. Yeah, You could do something really. So one of the things that I do, because I, I get a lot of stress in my feet. So I actually have a, tub, a pretty, not the tub in the bathroom, but I have a tub that I fill with warm water and about a two, tea, two tablespoons of vinegar, and I soak my feet in it for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. 
So you need to go back to self-care, right? Just because right. you had a bad day doesn't mean you don't deserve a break. Mm-hmm. You had a bad day. You don't right you had a bad day. So go home and take a warm shower. Take 20 minutes to yourself and just relax. Put the phone away. Put the phone off to the corner. Plug it in if it needs to be, you know, charged. But stay off the phone. Stay off the social media and just give yourself a rest. This is the other thing that we don't do is we don't unplug. We're always on. It's 24-7. Everybody's on. They're on something. They're on TikTok. They're on Snapchat. They're on Facebook. They're on LinkedIn. They're on everything. Instagram, LinkedIn, all of it, right? (laughs) So if you've had a bad day, don't take it to the social media page. They don't really need to know, right? Just put that phone down and take care of yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, Unplugging is definitely something that uh, I think more and more people, especially if an older demographic as well, are finding it harder and harder to to do. Right. But you have to. I mean, everybody needs something, you know, it's it's okay to, and it's all these simple things, you know, a shower can be so therapeutic for you, Mm -hmm. you know? You get in a here, shower, here. wash. Yeah, <laughs> just wash up and get out. That's it. You don't have to be going anywhere. I mean, I, and I think too, we have these things in our heads. Well, I don't need a shower right now. I'm not going anywhere. But take it. You'll feel better. You might. You or or I'll put it this way. You might feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always worth a try. <laughs> yes. Um, with kind of setting your intentions, how often should you do this? Is this something that you kind of need to do on a daily basis and figure out, you know, what your intention is each day? Or is it something maybe on a weekly basis? Or is it just something that you need to kind of reevaluate when you're kind of coming across problems? So it depends on who you are and what you want, right? Mm-hmm. So I know myself, I'm I'm really into it. I have a vision board. I'm all I'm always setting an intention for, I set intentions fairly often during the week, depending on the day and depending on what's going on. So it really depends on how you feel about it. But definitely if you're feeling like, even if it's a small challenge, reset, don't be afraid to reset. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Re, Mm -hmm. reevaluate, take another look at things. If things are not working out the way that you thought they would, it's okay. It doesn't mean it was a bad plan. It just means it's a plan that's not working right now. And it's okay. You know, yeah. there's no failure in trying. Just keep going with it, you know, and try something new. You know, um, I know that a lot of people aren't very, when they get home they're, and they want to unwind, a lot of people go to the TV, Netflix, Hulu, and all yeah. that other stuff, right? How about just sitting down and this sounds this is going to sound silly but buy some if you're not into coloring although coloring does help a lot of people they have the adult coloring books get some colored pencils you could do that or just watercolor and you don't have to be picasso to watercolor just get a palette of watercolors just get some paper and just paint don't worry about what you're painting just paint Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be very relaxing too. And you can do it in your own home. And I think a lot of times we need to learn how to relax in our own homes because, again, we're always on, right? We're all mm-hmm. social media or all this other stuff. So 
it's important to take time for yourself and just find something that will bring it down. Like you said, you had a bad day. Okay, so you had a bad day. And the way that you stop that from seeping into every other day in the week, because now, like you said, it's Tuesday and it's going to go on, right? Mm -hmm. We need to kind of nip it in the bud and start realizing that it's okay. It was just one day and we need to bring it down. So we need to get into some of these other things that'll help us do that. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's just sitting there with a warm cup of hot cocoa, Whatever yeah. it is, do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned that you have a vision board and you like to um, kind of set your intentions fairly often in the week. How do you go? Tell me about this process. I'm so intrigued. So the vision board is um, something that I started um, in 2008. And it was interesting. When I first started, I had all these great ideas. I was going to buy a different house. I was going to do all this stuff. But the biggest thing on the vision board was that I was going to go back to school. And I didn't realize that I wouldn't be going back to school for another, when did I go back? Another nine years. But so vision boards, it doesn't mean it's happening today. It just means it's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So my vision board right now has on it, um, I am eventually going to, I want to get into like a townhouse or something like that or condo, right? Mm -hmm. So it has a home on it. More importantly, it has things on it that represent things that people have given me um, to really reinforce my relationships, right? So for me, my vision is all about maintaining my personal relationships with people who are really close to me. And that helps me set my intention, which is that I always want to be aware of how I'm interacting with people and making sure that I am being impeccable with my word and making sure that I am, you know, having a good day. And that's how I have a good day is by making sure that I'm just being myself with everybody instead of having my guard up all the time, you know, which is easy to do if you get into having a crappy day, right? Yeah. Go, That's it. I'm having a crappy day. I can't talk to anybody. <laughs> Don't talk to me, right? Yeah. And it's hard to bring that down and say, it's just a moment. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, you were talking about how setting boundaries, part of setting boundaries is like knowing what to prioritize and what not to prioritize. Would you mm -hmm. say kind of this vision board and knowing what you want for yourself in the future and also knowing what your intentions are for the day, like does that really help in kind of understanding where to set those boundaries? It does for me because, listen, if I want a home, right, mm -hmm. I cannot go on Amazon and buy $300 worth of stuff every week. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just the math doesn't add up. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yes, if you're going to set your vision board, it's going to mean it's going to have some impact on other things that you're going to do or maybe things that you won't do. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you like want a brand new car or a car, that means that you cannot afford those two hundred and fifty dollar concert tickets that you were thinking about. You may have to yeah. scale back on that to get what's on the board. That's okay, because we all have to do that, 
right? Mm -hmm. So you have to set a boundary for yourself and say, okay, if this is what I want, I have to now prioritize this other thing that is more important. Yeah. Right? And identify why it is you want that thing on the vision board, right? It has to be something that's really important, that's really meaningful to you, that's going to be something that's going to be meaningful meaningful to you for a while, you know? Mm -hmm. How do you find the time to assess your intentions for the day? How do I find the time? How do you find the time? Yeah. It's easy. Well, it's easy for me because when I come home from work, I don't automatically turn the TV on. I, I allow myself to decompress. I spend at least 15, 20 minutes just kind of getting in and settling in and and doing all of that first. And that actually helps me kind of regenerate a little bit. And then I would say, I would say halfway through the, before I go to bed, about halfway before I'm ready to go to bed, I start thinking about my tomorrow and what I want that to look like. And so what I do, I actually walk through my day in my head. So tomorrow I already know what groups I'm going to be um, running tomorrow and how I'm going to run them based on, you know, the, the clients that I have. And so I'm setting my intention that how, how can I be of service to them? How can I get the best them, the best experience they can have? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, that comes from me setting an intention of being open to them and what they are experiencing. Mm. Yeah. It's very challenging. (laughs) Yeah, it can be for sure. Um, How has this practice impacted your personal development or your perception in life? Oh, wow. So that's a really good question. So, (laughs) I would say in, let's say, 2016, I actually found myself homeless. And I spent at least a month or so on my cousin's couch. And then I found my apartment and I was working a job that I had to work probably between 60 and 75 hours a week just to make ends meet. And I thought to myself, I can't do this forever. I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I can't do this forever. So I set my intention on just doing the best I could at the job I was at. And an interesting thing happened. I had a job at the same hospital I'm at now, but I was doing, I was a certified nursing assistant. And an interesting thing happened where I started getting floated out to every single department in the hospital because that's just what they did. And I was always doing my best everywhere I went, and people got to get to know me. And one of the floors that I ended up on was one of the um, psychiatric floors. Mm -hmm. And they liked me so much, they kept asking me to come back to work. And one day I thought to myself, I wouldn't mind doing this kind of work. So my intention led me to my eventual purpose. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's the other, that's the other prize that comes along with that. Yeah. It will lead you in the way that you need to go. So I'll take it one step further because this is really fascinating. 
I went back, started my master's. I was halfway through, and the hospital I was working at was consolidating, and they were moving it from one town to another. And so the floor I was on, well, I had to get a job anyway in mental health because I was halfway through my master's. I was still a CNA. And the lady in human resources said to me, take a look in the in the computer and see what jobs they have available on the psychiatric floors. Mm-hmm. And my heart dropped because two weeks earlier, I had taken a look and they had no jobs available. Right. Yeah. So I went in that night, I got home and I said, well, okay, we'll take another look. But you know, there's probably nothing in there. They had two full-time jobs, two. Oh, amazing. So I emailed the woman. She called me back 24 hours later and said, you have an interview. I went up and I interviewed. Halfway through the interview, the woman said to me, when can you start? That's so good. Yeah. So this is all to say that it's all possible. And it's all connected. Mm-hmm. And it all works. But you have to give it a chance. Yeah. So speaking of giving it a chance, would you recommend this to everyone? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's okay not to t- dive in and take it all at once. It's okay to take it a little bit at a time, right? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't know if that's going to work out. I'm not doing all of it. And that's yeah. okay. Just take a little bit here and there and do what fits for you for now and, mm-hmm. and you know, ease into it as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's okay. Sure. <laughs> How would people kind of take it little by little? What's an example Taking that you can think of? little by little means that, you know, listen, somebody out there is probably saying, listen, lady, I am not the kind of person, I am not putting my outfit together the night before. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. way too much for me. I'm not that organized. And I like my life that way. Some people get up in the morning and say, oh, look, I'll grab this outfit. Oh, yep, I need to iron it. And, I, you know, that's just the way they are. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it is okay to say to your or start thinking about some things that you may want. Or maybe it's something that you haven't thinking about that you want, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need a fancy board. A vision board is nothing fancy. If you have a piece of poster board that your kid had left over from school, use it. Tape it to a wall and start working on it, okay? That's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. But what is it that you've been thinking about? Were you thinking about taking a painting class at night? Were you thinking about joining a bowling league? I mean, I'm just pulling anything out of thin air because it could be anything. Were you thinking about, I'm going to get my friends together and we're going to play pool every Thursday night, right? Put a a picture of the pool table on there. That's Mm -hmm. the beginning of it. That's how you start. And that's all you have to do. So that's that's the easiest way to get started is just by doing that. Or it may mean texting that person that you haven't talked to in a long time because you don't know when they're available, but you can text them and say, I know it's been a long time, but I would mm-hmm. like to talk to you. Mm-hmm. When, when is your next availability? Let's chat yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beginning. Easy, easy, simple steps. <laughs> Very easy, simple steps. Nothing that you can't do, really. Mm-hmm. Based on your experience, do you have any other recommendations um, of 
perhaps other practices that you can combine with this or like improvements on, I guess, this idea of setting your intentions and having your vision board? So I think that it's important to realize that it may take you time to think about things that are really important to you. And maybe you think that it's not worthy of putting on the bird vision board. That's another obstacle that a lot of people say. And that's another what boundary of in, in some ways. Yeah. 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 You know, so remember, you're important. You, we're all important. And so whatever it is that you're desiring is important. You know, even if the thing that you want is as simple as, you know, buying a box of number two pencils from Amazon, put it on the vision board. Right. Right. Because maybe yeah. it's something that you say to yourself, oh, that's silly. I'm not even going to place that or that's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> just put it on the board. Right. Yeah. And put the board in a place where you have to look at it every day. OK, because if it's off in the corner and you're not looking at it every day, you're not setting your intention on it. Mm -hmm. So it has to be out where you can see it. Right. And that may be uncomfortable for some people because they're like, okay, I can set it up, but I don't know if I really want to look at it all the time, you know, mm -hmm. because again, yeah. they may not feel like it's important enough, mm -hmm. right? Especially for parents who think that everybody else's needs are more important than theirs. So we want to yeah, make sure, sure that we're getting back to our self-care and that our vision is important too, right? And I recommend it for kids too. I really do. You know, is there a book that you wanted to read? Is there a movie that you don't want to watch? Is there a place that you wanted to go with your friends that maybe seems out of reach? Put that on your vision board, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. All these sure. things are really important. And it's simple, small steps. You don't have to fill the board up all at once. Just start with one thing. Mm -hmm. And the rest will come. <laughs> Everything should fall into place. Um, now. We've had a chat about, you know, boundaries and how to set them and how to go about prioritizing things in order to help set them. Mm -hmm. uh, now we've kind of got our open mic segment where we allow you to talk about anything that you're passionate about that doesn't have to relate to the topic. Uh, so this is kind of your time to just let loose. What, what I'm passionate about? Let's mm -hmm. see. So what I'm passionate about is really very closely tied to what we've been talking about. I'm really passionate about people realizing that your ability to do things can happen almost like in a really miraculous way, like I was saying about the job that I got. Because yeah. when that woman said to me, go in and see if there's any jobs, my heart sank because mm -hmm. I literally had just looked and there was nothing there. And yet, I went in and there was something there, right? So I'm really passionate about not closing doors. And that I don't mean physical doors, but doors in your mind. Don't close off the possibility of anything happening. And don't close off your ability to be important to someone because you don't feel like you know enough. Because you do. You know, I think, you know, like I said to you earlier, the biggest, the best gift anybody can give me is their time, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we might have friends or people we know that are really struggling. And 
I always say this, sometimes the best gift we can give somebody is quiet company. Mm, That's a wonderful quote. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Quiet company means that you're just sitting. It doesn't mean that you have to say anything, but sometimes just the comfort of having someone sitting next to you is all that people need. Sometimes people don't even need it in person. They will take it over the phone. You can FaceTime and have quiet company, right? So that's really what I I am so passionate about maintaining relationships um, because they're so important. And sometimes I think we all take each other for granted and we lose the value in them, you know, Mm -hmm. Just just from becoming... So busy and not observing our work-life balance, right? I'm busy tonight, I've got work. I'm busy this day, I've got work. I can't do this, I can't do that. And yet carving out that time to maintain everything is what we really need to do. And that's really been my focus in life all along. You know, I'm a single mom. Mm -hmm. I got divorced in 2010. And both my kids were 13 and 10 when I got divorced. And I, along the way, had to work a lot of hours, but my kids will tell, I have gone out of my way to maintain those relationships, and I made sure both those kids got through college by myself. These are things that are important. That was a big intention. That was huge, Mm. but we made it. And, you know, there's there's always a sign that you've done things right. So the sign for us is this, that my daughter my son, and myself, my kids are three and a half years apart. We all graduated with degrees in 2019. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the amazing. Sign. Yeah. Yeah. So they <laughs> both got their undergrad. I got my master's. So when there's a way, there's always a way that will be made. But you have to be open to it. and You have to be willing to take that opportunity. Even if it seems like it's something really small, just do it, right? And when we make the bigger decisions in life, when there's something that we have to do, maybe we need to explain to other people why we need to do it, why we feel it's important. And when we do that, we're showing people that we really care about them, but yet it's something that we have to do as well, right? And I think there's a lot lost in communication. And that's the other thing I'm super passionate about is really explaining to people why I'm and the people I, when I say people, I mean people that are important to me, like my brother, my cousin, my kids. I always go out of my way to really explain to them what I'm doing and why. You know, um, and I think it's don't let don't assume people know what you're thinking. Tell them what you're thinking, and I think that can be hard too. It's another challenge. It's like they know what I'm thinking. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. Not, you know. They're not mind readings, right? The other thing I'm passionate about is self-care. So I love smooth jazz. I don't have a lot of friends that like it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't. So it's not uncommon for me to buy one ticket and go to a show by myself. And I sit down and I just listen to the music and and I come home. So I'm big on self-care. And sometimes just because other people don't like it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it as long as it's a positive thing, you know, 
And so that's the other thing I'm passionate about. Don't lose yourself or give up things that you like to do because it goes against the crowd. It's harder to stand alone than it is to go along with the flow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super, I'm also passionate about baking too. I love to bake. So (laughs) baking is a great one. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if you're a person that likes to be in the kitchen, do it, be in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. bake something, just make sure you find some place. I always, when I bake, I find some place to take it to, but yeah, I mean, really focusing in on that self-care Anything that makes you feel good, that's what I'm passionate about. And I've learned that it's important in life not to give up yourself for other people. Yeah, not to neglect yourself. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, We have got some questions from our audience um, for you. Um, And we've got about 10 minutes to get through five of them. Cool. All right. Uh, I'll start with the first one, which is, how can we communicate our boundaries with those closest to us in a way that won't cause misunderstanding? Yeah. So that's a little tricky one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it really depends on what the boundary is. I know that um, some, you know, there's some issues that are bigger than others, right? But let's say this is, I'll just, I'll pick this one as an example. Let's say you have, Um, two kids living in the same house and one's a boy and one's a girl and the boy is older than the girl and the little girl is always trying to get into the boy's room. I think that's a pretty common thing, right? Yeah, for sure. And so if you've got a teenage boy and a 10-year-old kid, that boy is not going to want the kid in there when he's trying to talk to his friends, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. one of the things that the parent can do is try to help navigate that whole thing. And one of the things that you can do is say, well, between this time and this time, um, you know, Jimmy has to have his room to himself. Right. So there's and create a time where everybody gets their own thing. And and it it may have to be that organized. Mm -hmm. You know, so you get to have what you want. Or the other thing you could do is say, here's a time when you and Jimmy can do something together. Yeah. Right? Now you've set the boundary, but the relationship. You're also providing a solution as to how to maintain the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, in, in that setting, you know, that's really important. I think sometimes when we're dealing with friends, things get a little dicey, right? So if you have a friend that's doing something that you're not really a fan of, how do I get away from having to do that, right? Without hurting my friend's feelings. So, you know, that that actually has happened to me. And so what I said to my friend was, she, she has said to me, oh, let's go out, let's go do this at night. So what I say to her is this, listen, nighttime really is not good for me. Um, when at nighttime comes, I'm just, it's not my time of day. So is there a way maybe we could go out for lunch? Mm -hmm. Right. And then if we do lunch, when is a good time for you? 
And again, now we're setting that time, we're setting aside time, and we're showing that the relationship is still important to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great that you said that because that actually answers another one of our audience questions. So we can get that out of the way. What was the other one? <laughs> it was about how do you maintain boundaries without hurting or losing touch with your loved ones, uh, which was oh, okay. yeah. great. Fantastic. Okay. Um, what are, another question is what are some signs of healthy and unhealthy boundaries in relationships? Oh boy. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. A healthy boundary is when you say to someone, um, I, um, I've been struggling with something and they say, I've been struggling and I haven't been, I've been feeling kind of down lately. And they say to you, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, how can I help support you? An mm-hmm. unhealthy boundary is when you say to someone, you know, I've been struggling this past week. It's been really hard. I had a bad day on Tuesday and it's kind of seeped into the rest of the week. And somebody says to you, why do you let that happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the person that says, why do you let that happen is not being supportive of you and doesn't realize that those words cut deep. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Why did I, I, well, I, you know, and, and it may make you feel like you can't share anymore with that person. And now the relationship has hit a place where it may not be able to move forward or continue. Mm-hmm. Right. But be careful of these people that say things like that to you, you know, well, why did you let that happen? You know, people who really want the best for you and really care for you wouldn't say that to you. They would say, how can I support you? Or what happened? It might, they would try to understand. Yes. And help you work your way through the situation that happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a big red flag when they say, how did, why did you let that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Final question. And this is actually a really interesting one. Um, How can an individual deal with the guilt of leaving parents behind in pursuit of a better life and moving to another country? Yeah. So when we talk about leaving people behind, we're talking about leaving them physically behind. And luckily we live in an era where there's so much technology. That's really all we're doing is leaving them physically behind, but the relationship can endure. And it can endure even more powerfully now than it could have ever in any other time past. So it's not just about writing letters. Now we have FaceTime, we have Zoom, we have all these other things that we can use. And before we leave, we need to sit down and process what's happening. And everybody has to understand that this pursuit that the child is on is important to them. And raising this child, this is what it's all about. Children were never meant to stay in the nest. They're meant to leave. And it's okay. And we need to all come to that understanding that it is okay to go. And it's time to pursue that life and those goals that we want to do. Right? Yeah. But it has to be done together. And when you do that, there may be some crying. There may be some tears. But those are necessary. Right? And that creates this it'll create an even stronger bond 
as you move forward, you won't be leaving anything behind. You'll be taking them with you. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. And because it can feel like you're leaving everything behind, you know, and it's not, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there. There is a lot. And it, it's really be so much better to be inclusive, inclusive instead of exclusive while that's happening. All right. That kind of brings us to the end of our audience questions and okay. to the end of the show. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Jackie. I had a really great time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You've been listening to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can also be found on our website at pe.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.